BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. We don't want to call it a news conference because it was not a news conference. Whatever it was, it was the first one that Donald Trump had held in 168 days since July 2016. Uh, What's significant about that, if uh, you recall that far back, it was in July 2016 at his last so-called news conference that Donald Trump invited Russia to hack Hillary Clinton's emails to find out what was in her emails. Uh, How ironic that yesterday, when Donald Trump meets the press again for the first time in 160 days, it's to talk about the fact that Russia had, in fact, hacked the DNC and Hillary Clinton's emails, her campaign chair, John Podesta. And for the first time, Donald Trump finally admitted that, yes, indeed, it was Russia behind it. But, but... Uh, That was uh, only the beginning of Donald Trump's uh, news conference yesterday. Actually, let's start where he started. It started with his communications uh, director-to-be, press secretary-to-be, Sean Spicer, who was sort of acting as a master of ceremonies of the whole event, who told reporters first what's going to happen. He said uh, the uh, president-elect is going to talk about... uh, how he's going to separate himself from his uh, financial uh, empire. And then he said, we're going to introduce an attorney who will explain all the legalities of it. Uh, And then he'll take a few questions. But then Sean Spicer, first of all, said, oh, no, no, no. But first, we got to start out with this report that we talked about yesterday, this supplemental report that the intelligence agencies briefed on on which the intelligence agency briefed President Obama and President-elect Trump, uh, the the supplemental report that said, according to a British intelligence expert hired by Donald Trump's political opponents to do some opposition research, that uh, Russia had been feeding Trump information for the last five years and that Russia had enough compromising information on Donald Trump in terms of real estate deals and in terms of Uh, salacious sexual activities that um, they could, in fact, blackmail him. Spicer started started the attack right from, again, before Donald Trump or Mike Pence even stepped up to the podium. It's frankly outrageous and highly irresponsible for a left-wing blog that was openly hostile to the president-elect's campaign to drop highly salacious (laughs) and flat-out false information on the internet just days before he takes the oath of office. And Sean Spicer uh, lashed out at the BuzzFeed. They're the ones who put this document up on their website, the entire document. And a left-wing blog. Left-wing blog, right. It's one of the biggest websites on the internet, but yeah. a left-wing blog. Okay, Sean. Right. And they're still fighting the campaign. Yeah. They didn't write good stories about us during the campaign. So. Oh, well. That, oh, well. That, right. they're, BuzzFeed, they're... which is a failing pile of garbage. <laughs> 
Yeah, pile of garbage is what Donald Trump called it again. Some of the reporters were banned from Trump events. Let <clears throat> us not forget. Right. Yeah. So, um, so Sean Spicer does it. Mike Pence got up and attacked uh, a BuzzFeed as well. Uh, again, BuzzFeed is one that put up the document on its website, uh, and which we quoted yesterday. And then, uh, and CNN just simply reported on the fact that this document existed and that the president and the president-elect and the eight intelligence leaders in Congress were briefed about it, but both uh, BuzzFeed and CNN came under attack yesterday, uh, again, by Sean Spicer, by Mike Pence, and then by Donald Trump. And Donald Trump won't even let CNN ask a question. Jim Acosta, who's one of the best reporters in the business and is normally the chief White House correspondent, for CNN, who's been covering the Trump campaign the entire year and a half. He's in the front row, and uh, and Trump won't recognize him. Go ahead. President-elect, since you are attacking no, our news not organization, you. Not you. can you give us a chance? Your organization you are attacking our news organization. Your organization. Can you give us a chance to ask a question, sir? Go ahead. Sir, can Quiet. you state, can, Mr. President-elect, can you state categorically, Mr. President-elect, can you give us a question? You're attacking us. Can you give us a question? Don't be Can you give us a question? Can you, I'm not going to give you a can question. You can you state categorically? You are fake news. Sir, can you state categorically that nobody... No, Mr. President-elect, that's not Go appropriate. Ahead. And you see, by, by the way, the, way. the oh, people on God. the sideline are Trump supporters who are attacking Jim Costa from the sidelines. He brought yeah. in staffers yeah. Yeah. to right. clap for him and laugh at his jokes at a press conference. Mr. Yeah. President-elect, that's not Listen to them. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. President-elect, that's not appropriate. And what's her name? Omarosa was there saying. Yeah. You know, and Sean Spicer threatened to throw Jim Acosta out of the news conference because he dared ask uh, a question. Right. So then Donald Trump, so first they attacked the two news organizations. And, uh, and then they, he once again declaring war on the intelligence agencies accusing them of being in Hillary Clinton's pocket or the pocket of the Democrats. And, I mean, there's no limit to where this guy will go, accusing our intelligence agencies of being just like Nazi Germany. Yes, you heard right. Nazi Germany, Donald Trump. I think it's a disgrace. And I say that, and I say that. And that's something that Nazi Germany would have done and did do. I think it's a disgrace. Wow. Um, now, you know, I'm not uh, a historian, but I think we all know that um, Nazi Germany did a lot of really, really horrible things, some of the most evil acts that we've seen on the history of humankind. But one thing they didn't do, they didn't leak documents uh, that suggested that Adolf Hitler, I mean, they didn't leak documents about Adolf Hitler. That's not what the Nazis were all about. I mean, if that's your takeaway, but you know, you're not paying attention to the right parts of the story. Even if that did happen, which it most certainly did did not. No. But even if it did, that's your takeaway that the media was mean to Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Anybody, by the way, we've said this before, anybody who cites a Holocaust or Adolf or Hitler, either anybody, anybody, or Nazi Germany loses the argument right away. Yeah. But the Anti-Defamation League last yes, they put out a very powerful statement saying, saying Donald Trump, don't trivialize the Holocaust yeah. by throwing it out there and saying that James Clapper or, or James Comey or the head of any of the other intelli- intelligence, John Brennan at the CIA, that any of those people are 
compare them to Nazi Germany. So then Donald Trump goes on again on this report, and he said this is nothing but a political witch hunt, uh, again, conducted by the intelligence agencies who are trying to, they're in, this is his, his accusation, that, his, that the intelligence agencies are in league with the Democrats trying to undermine his victory of, um, of November 8th. And he also makes this outrageous claim. He, he, again, he admitted yesterday for the first time that this was Russia that was probably, he said, behind it. But after that, he, his, his answer is a great big, so what? Because, he says, China does the same thing. In fact, a year or so ago, a couple of years ago now, uh, it, we've learned that China had broken into one of the big government agencies, I forget which one, maybe the Social Security Fund or something, and they got the addresses of 22 million Americans. And Donald Trump says, that's exactly what Russia, that's just like no different from what Russia was doing, and that nobody made a big deal of it at the time. Here's uh, Trump yesterday. As far as hacking, I think it was Russia, but I think we also get hacked by other countries and other people. And, he, and, he, and again, other people. And he said that uh, nobody, nobody did anything about it. He's wrong. He is absolutely wrong. He's either, he either doesn't know or he's lying. The fact is, when that China hack happened, I remember we talked about it. The media talked about it. It was on the front page. It was the top of the news for a week at least or more. I remember seeing stories. They, they tracked it right down to the Chinese Navy and the building where the hacking was taking place. And they raised holy hell about it. And by the way, Yes, that was cyber cyber warfare. That was cyber. That was a, a breach of cybersecurity, but that was not in the same league as interfering and trying to determine the outcome of an election for the next president of the United States. That gets to the fundamental core of this country is what Russia was doing. It's in a league totally on its own, far above anything worse than anything else everybody's doing. Donald Trump says, "Oh, it's just another hack." No, big deal. No big deal. Yes, it is a big deal. Other than the Donald Trump's free-for-all, I hardly call it a news conference in New York yesterday, the big story in Washington was confirmation hearing for uh, Rex Tillerson, nom President-elect Trump's nominee to be Secretary of State. Our own foreign policy guru we share with the Plowshares Fund, Joe Sirincioni. <laughs> <laughs> He's head of the Plowshares Fund, actually. Joins us in studio. Hello, Joe. Good to see you. Good morning. Nice to be here, Bill. I want to get your take on that hearing. But first, some of the things that Donald Trump said uh, about um, about Russia. So, first of all, in, in terms of his relationship, James, if we can, with Vladimir Putin, right? Yes. People say, well, this could be a problem that you and Putin are, such, are so buddy-buddy. Not for Donald Trump. If Putin likes Donald Trump, guess what, folks? That's called an asset, not a liability. Yeah, an unfortunate choice of words there. An asset in the spy trade is your agent, somebody you have <laughs> right. in another country. Right. This is our asset in Moscow. Yeah, so you know, all the CIA agents have their assets. Assets, right? absolutely. Who mean they're spies. Absolutely. So I know what he meant to say, but, but unconsciously. But, and, and, oh, and, of course, is it, it, it is increasingly... Bizarre that Donald Trump cannot find anything bad to say about Vladimir Putin. 
a, a person that Marco Rubio yesterday in the Tillerson hearing was trying to press Tillerson to say he was a war criminal, mm-hmm. that he had conducted war crimes in Syria. Tillerson refused to do, to do that. Um, and Donald Trump continues to, to say only good things about Putin in this, this I guess, are these the press conferences we're going to have now? These bizarre reality TV shows that pass as honest inter- interchanges with the press? Well, it was a sad spectacle. Well, Trump goes on to say that now Russia, Russia, to use his phrase, will have a lot more respect now, right? Uh, than because he's going to be uh, in the White House. Here he is again. Russia will have much greater respect for our country when I'm leading it than when other people have led it. You will see that. Mm-hmm. Russia will respect our country more. He shouldn't have done it. I don't believe he'll be doing it more now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He, he claimed that as soon as he becomes president, just the act of him becoming president, talk right. about a God yeah. complex. Yeah. Just the act of him becoming president <laughs> will end all Russian hacking. That's what he said yesterday. It's yeah. not going to yeah. have done it. Yeah. Bad thing. But by the way, look at all the great things we found out from the hacking. And then he went off on that. But he said he's not going to do it anymore. Uh, they'll respect us again. You, you know, the, the U.S.-Soviet, U.S.-Russian relationship has gone up and down over the years. Sometimes there's respect, sometimes there isn't. You'd have to say they don't respect us now. That's true. Right. They were very upset at Hillary Clinton and the efforts that she made to to stand up for democracy in, in Russia during the elections, the rigged elections that, g- that got Putin reelected as, as president. So, yeah, there's been a feud that's going on. Is it good that that feud's going to end now? That's what Trump thinks it is. Let's see what the deal is. What do we but, get out of this? But clearly, we know from the intelligence agencies the reason they did this hacking was they wanted Donald Trump to be the president. They did not want Hillary Clinton to be the president. There was a reason why they wanted Donald Trump. They must have felt they could get, they'd get better treatment and get better deals and maybe, you know, less um, punchback. And why will. they cheered in Moscow. Right. This is one of the most shocking things that the agencies just disclosed. There was cheering in the Kremlin when the election results were announced. Now, that is not a good sign. You do not want the the Russian mafia slash government cheering uh, about the election of a person they clearly feel is going to be better for them uh, in the White House. Rex Tillerson, you watched the hearing yesterday. Um, Did you see a man that you think is qualified to be or should be the next secretary of state? Well, you know, here's the debate that's going on in this town, particularly among the Democrats. And it's a kind of question of whether you judge the man uh, um, or whether you judge the the position that he's been in. He spent 41 years at ExxonMobil, the largest oil company in the world. He's extremely wealthy, maybe worth more than, than Donald Trump, since we don't actually know how much Donald Trump is worth. Right. But, but he's you know north of a, a half a billion dollars in, in net worth. How do you feel about a man who's been pushing ExxonMobil's interest for all these years, has a tr- huge deal with Russia, the biggest oil exploration deal ExxonMobil has by a factor of five is with Russia. They can't get to it. They can't exploit it because of the sanctions that have been put on Russia um, over Ukraine. How do you feel about putting him in charge of our relations? I think that this is a priori an inappropriate appointment. You should not put a position with this many in intrinsic conflicts of interest in charge of state relations of the United States. But a lot of Democrats are judging him as an individual. Is he yeah, a good but I make man? A, make a point oh, on good, that, which please. is uh, t- t- only in that fundamental to this, I believe, argument is 
that what's good for ExxonMobil is not necessarily good for the United States. Uh, absolutely. Right? I mean, people don't see that. They say, well, he's a big businessman, and so therefore, you know, he's got all the skills that he needs to be Secretary of State. But he was, he was making deals that were not in our best interest. They were in ExxonMobil's best interest all around the world. All around the world. All yeah. around the world with, with corrupt African dictators, with the Kurds in Iraq at a time when the U.S. government expressly said, don't, don't make do that deal. You're right. weakening the central government, of course, right. with, with Russia at a time so, when we're strained relations. So, but a lot of people are judging him on his skill set, on his demeanor, on his broad shoulders, on his, his looks. Yeah. And, and so, you know, this man, is he competent to be Secretary of State? Of course he is. George Schultz was a, a, yeah. a, a corporate executive, made an excellent Secretary of State. So if you, if you just judge him by his skill set, and here's the killer. A lot of Democrats are saying, what are our choices? If we don't accept him, you could we're, we're going to huh? get we could, you could get a Rudy. You, you yeah. could get you could get something a, a lot worse. So they're kind of settling for Rex and brushing aside these corporate interests. Uh, I think that's that's short sighted. Now, you mentioned uh, and let's go, Jamie, if we can, to Marco Rubio trying to nail him down ah. on on a couple of issues. And the first was what about uh, what? How do you consider Russia? Here's Rubio. I think is Vladimir Putin a war criminal? Mm. I would not use that term. And he also, he did say Russia was a danger, but then he says, so he's not, as you pointed out, not at work from, but he is, isn't he? I mean, when you look at what he's done. In, what he's in, done, I mean. In Syria and in Ukraine and in Crimea, shooting down an airline. 500,000 people dead in, in Syria, largely because, because of the Russian bombing. Assad it killed tens of thousands, maybe 100,000, but it was really the Russian bombing that escalated these and the indiscriminate bombing. By definition, that's a war crime, you know, t targeting innocent civilians. Uh, it seemed to be implicit in the use of, of uh, uh, chlorine as a, as a chemical agent in some of these barrel bombs that they dropped, et cetera. So yes, and bombing humanitarian convoys, trying to give you all that. By definition, war right. crimes. Rubio is a true Republican hawk. A true hawk, and this is part of the divide in the Republican Party. Who does not see Putin as a friend. Does not at all, and is very concerned about this. Um, criti criticized uh, Trump during the campaign on this issue, and it's part of the split. Half the Republican Party is now remarkably rolled over. Half the Republican Party now trusts Putin more than they trust Obama. Respect Putin more than they ever respected Obama. It's it's a it's a disturbing trend in the party. And where we know, as you pointed out, that. Uh, Tillerson has said publicly that the sanctions against Russia are a mistake, the yes. original sanctions. Now yes. that there are additional sanctions because of the hacking, I'm sure he thinks they're even more of a mistake. And that this $500 billion oil deal yeah. in Siberia is blocked, ExxonMobil's deal is blocked because of the sanctions. How did he come out yesterday on keeping or getting rid of the sanctions? He hedged, as he did on many, many issues. He said, we'll have to look, we'll have to ascertain what the situation is, we'll have to make that judgment as we learn more. So he just punted is, down the road. And in, if anybody, do you doubt that he's going to lift these sanctions as soon no, as he possibly no, can? No, right. no. I mean, again, he's not going to change his spots. I mean, that's his... That's his position. Yeah, this is going to be part it's of like improving Jeff, relations with, with Russia. It's, it's going like, to be lifting the sanctions. It's like Jeff Sessions on voting rights, right? You can't, yeah. you can't take a guy, to me, who's been on the other side of the issue his entire freaking career 
and then think suddenly he's going to change from day to night when he gets a different yeah, job. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at or this. night to day. <laughs> he's been with ExxonMobil 41 years. He's going to be Secretary of State for three or four. It's a temporary assignment for him. Wow. Uh, hmm. But you believe he gets confirmed? Uh, the Democrats are not doing an effective <clears throat> job of countering his um, his nomination. I know he's one of the top people on their hit list. Um, uh, it's there's lots of things you could talk about about ExxonMobil's practices. They're not bringing up any of them. They're they're playing it soft so far. I got I to say, Rubio is the toughest question they've I, had. I was just going to say, if he's number one <clears throat> on the Democrats' yeah. hit list, he's in. Yeah. Uh, and what the only talk about yesterday in terms of. Who really took him on is Marco Rubio, yeah. not any Democrat. By the way, 202-224-3041. 202-224-3041. That is the number to reach Marco Rubio's office. We had uh, Dan Kildee in last week who said when it came to the um, <clears throat> the office of ethics that they were trying to do away with, uh, remember yes, that? Yes. That these calls really matter. These members actually listen. When people call their office, they pay attention. And if you want Marco Rubio to do the right thing... Give him a call, 202-224-3041. We tweeted it out at BP Show, too, if you well, want to call well, Can we take an example of this about the hearing? Yeah, the crowdsourcing the hearing? Okay, so I'm tracking, yes. I'm tracking the hearing yesterday, and I see that Tillerson says this untrue thing about the Iran agreement. He says the Iran agreement doesn't stop Iran from buying a bomb. It only stops it from developing its own bomb. Bzz, wrong, absolutely untrue. Page one of the text of the agreement, paragraph three, says Iran com com commits to never pursuing acquiring a, a nuclear so weapon under any circumstances. Factually wrong. Factually wrong. It's it's if you even cursorily looked at the agreement, you would see it. You couldn't miss it. And so I tweet this out. Other people tweet this out. People I I know then contact Democratic senators on the committee and tell them this. Sure enough, during the break, uh, they con Tillerson gets the message and he comes back and he corrects himself. So this is a real interesting case of how you can crowdsource these hearings. What people on the outside are doing matters. What they're, what they're calling matters. The tweeting matters. Yeah. People are paying attention. Yeah. It, yeah. It's sort of like ways at the uh, congressional hearings. <laughs> <laughs> if people are there. There's a police officer off to the right. Yeah. Speed, yeah. speed yeah. trap ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's a speed yeah. trap. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for The Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Everybody's making news, it seems, but the President of the United States these days, he's laying low with all the confirmation hearings uh, in the Congress and this big uh, free-for-all up in New York uh, where Donald Trump is standing alongside of a huge pile of documents, uh, which uh, he says... Uh, prove that he is divesting himself, not divesting himself, but he is separating himself from any business activities of the Trump empire for the next uh, time, well, whatever, however long he's in the White House. 
he rolled out an attorney, brought and introduced an attorney, Sherry Dillon, uh, who said that, of course, how could you expect, you can't certainly expect Donald Trump to destroy his business just because he was elected president. Selling his assets without the rights to the brand would greatly diminish the value of the assets and create a fire sale. President-elect Trump should not be expected to destroy the company he built. Melanie Sloan with us, a government ethics expert and founder of Summer Strategies. She, I thought she almost gave a campaign speech yesterday. Yeah. Me. Can we just start with that? my very favorite part of yesterday is where Trump basically says being president of the United States is a part-time job. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leader of the free world, but you could run your business at the same time as running the United States. Well, I know. I want to. Ask, I do want to ask because he said he has the first of all, just like he has the legal part-time. right to do that. He yeah. could. And he says, and not only does he have the legal right, he says he could manage he it, could both. Do it he both. He could do both, managing the company and being the president of the United States. Part-time job. Right. But the only reason he's not doing that is because... Because he cares the, so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He really, <laughs> I can tell. Heart. Out of the goodness of his heart. But right. the truth is he actually mm. is planning to do both. I mean, that's what you really got out of yesterday. He's actually planning to do both because the fact is he's going to leave it with his sons mm-hmm. and there's no blind, There's he's going to read about it in the newspapers. He's going to know exactly what's going on at all times. We had a really... He un- says on, uh, that they're never going to talk to him about what's going on and he'll be totally ignorant of anything. Right, so, hmm... First, that that sounds like another fake news item. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and secondly, he can read about it. You know, anytime he reads about anything that's going on in the papers, um, hears about it any other way, he'll still know about it. This was such an unusual step for the newly elected president to take that I think we saw an unprecedented moment where the head of the Office of Government Ethics actually called him out on it. Mm-hmm. The, head, the Office of Government Ethics is generally a sleepy office. You know, they are not the people who are front and center. Walter Schaub is not like a well-known name in America. Yeah, And right. yet here he was yesterday after this press conference saying that this is unprecedented action by the president of the United States and the president-elect, and uh, and it's not, a, it's not good enough. Right. So that, in fact, this uh, firewall, right, that they were talking, they, I don't know whether they used that phrase yesterday, that they were erecting between Donald Trump and his business doesn't exist, is what you're saying. Doesn't exist. Kind of like that, you know, So it's going to be, what, for the next, let's say, however many years, just one conflict of interest after another? One conflict of interest after another, and we don't have to wait for them to start. You know, it's, we've already been seeing it. We've already been seeing um, foreign governments who want to curry favor with Trump, you know, using Trump hotels and uh, the Trump uh, businesses. You know, they've been having meetings since the day after the election about new business that they're planning to do around the world. Is it true that this um, law that, 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 that you have to separate yourself from, from any financial interest that does not apply to the presidency? It is true that it doesn't apply to the presidency. However... Every president has followed it. Right. And, uh, and again, because it's a full-time job. As because it's a full-time out. job. Yeah. And yeah. because you don't, you know, if you've been elected to the presidency of the United States, that's a great honor. And you want to be mm-hmm. responsible to the United States. You're not actually supposed to be worrying about your personal business interests. So one of the things that's so ironic about what uh, the lawyer, Sherry Dillon, was saying is like, he sh- it's a fire sale. He shouldn't be expected to lose. Yeah. Yeah. Of course he should. Nobody made you run for president of the United States. If you didn't want to do it, if you didn't want to lose money, if you then don't take Take the job. Don't run. If you want to keep all that, run the Trump business. You were good at that. I mean, well, you might have been good at it's that. It's public service. It's public service. Right? You're getting into this to help the public. Right. You're, 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 the whole goal here no. is to enrich the entire nation, not just yourself. Right. Not and, Donald Trump's goal. 
right, goal right. is to, his goal, I believe, I've always said that so many times, is to enrich himself. That's why he ran for president. Yes. And, you know, this is in contrast to, by the way, Rex Tillerson, the uh, uh, the nominee for secretary of state, with, about whom we could say many less positive things. But on the positive front, what we can say is he has really done everything he can to divest himself of his interest in Exxon. Here he was, the chairman of Exxon and Exxon uh, for, for a very long time, and he has actually divested himself in a way that will lose him money. Yeah. So he's, you know, here he is willing to lose money in order to be secretary of state, but the person who's got to be president says, no, I can't lose any money. All right. So uh, they did say, uh, I think of some of the details of the, this so-called firewall, uh, one that they will, the Trump empire will make no foreign deals as long as Donald Trump is in the White House. Yeah. Well, I don't know what that means, really, because, you know, and he was talking about this deal he gave up in Dubai recently. But you he know, said they, just like two days ago, he was offered two. By the way, I thought that was instructive. Two billion. It, two days ago, two billion dollar deal yeah. he was offered in Dubai. So while he's president elect, he is still meeting with these guys. Right. Because it's a part time job. Talking about deals. <laughs> right. Talking about deals. Right. Just and two would days it have ago. been two billion dollars, by the way, before he was elected president of the United States? Right. You know, yeah. another question. But you know, they were also meeting um ever since the uh, I think there was the Indonesia and the Philippines. So he's had yeah. there's been any yeah. number of meetings about business. Mexico. So yeah. So they've been having them consistently. So, you know, I think the jury is really out on whether that was meaningful, what he said about that. No foreign No foreign. So maybe some of the ones that are already ongoing, I guess, would be. Grandfathered in. Grandfathered in. Right. I mean, they didn't talk about that. So. Okay. And, uh, and he also <laughs> Weird said. Weird they didn't talk about that. Yeah. So, and he ended his news conference without, in an unusual way saying, so what this means is. That they're in charge, and then eight years later, when I come back, uh, I'm going to. I hope to be able to say, "Hey, boys, you did a great job." Doesn't that kind of mean you made a lot of money for me? Right, you made a lot of money for me, and also, uh, you know, he also said um, that if they weren't doing a good yeah. job, they'd be fired. So if they weren't doing a good job and they'd be fired, that means he actually knows what's going on in the business, doesn't it? Because how can you fire somebody <laughs> for not doing a good job yeah. if you don't know what's going on of in the course. business? Of course. No, that's what I mean. I thought that statement undercut the purpose of the entire news conference. Yeah. Our good friend, this uh, congressman from Wisconsin's 2nd Congressional District, uh, member of the Progressive Caucus. Are you now co-chair? Uh, the first vice chair. First vice yeah. chair. Keith Ellison and Roger Halvars are co-chairs. Congressman yeah. Mark Burkhan. Yeah. Good yeah. to see you, Congressman. Absolutely. Good to Happy see you Happy New Year. Yeah, thank welcome, you. You too. Welcome yeah. to the program. So um, did you have a chance to catch any of this uh, Donald Trump uh Oh, my God. Do we I, want to call it a news conference, uh, whatever it was yesterday? Uh, ten minutes to news, uh, to initiate nausea, I think, is what it was <laughs> that I saw of it. Ten minutes. I couldn't do much more. I watched him attack Lindsey Graham who, yeah, on TV oh, yeah. right now. It, it, yeah, how can he was you, still fighting with him over the, his numbers in I the know. primary. He's never Four years from now, he's still going to be yeah. doing those same fights because yeah, he thinks he won and that's it. There's never accountability. There's never anything else as president. He just He's now in charge. And But watching that, it, just his demeanor the way he answered questions, attacking the press. It was, it, I couldn't really watch more than about 10 minutes of it. One thing uh, I, I know, I almost fell off the couch yesterday. I found myself surprised at something Donald Trump said and actually agreeing with him. He took on big pharma. And yes. he said, yeah. okay, we've, 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 I've gone after Ford and GM, and now next I'm going to go after the drug companies because we are the largest purchaser of drugs in the world and we cannot negotiate for lower prices with the drug companies. This is wrong. We're going to do it. 
I thought it was Bernie Sanders talking, yeah, or even, me. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with that theory. Uh, but, you know, this is something that I've worked with, um, you know, Jan yeah, Schakowsky, Rosa DeLauro, Lloyd yeah. Doggett, and others uh, on this, and um, would be glad to work it's with him. It's a big if, flaw in Obamacare, yeah, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. In fact, that's the driver we saw for any of the medical costs that started going back up, because we saw them flatten when the Affordable Care Act came out, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it was the pharmaceutical companies, and it wasn't just... Pharma bro, you know, who was doing it, but then it was the EpiPen and some of the other situations. So that was probably the most um, arrogant industry that started uh, spiking healthcare costs again. And if he's sincere about what he says, and again, not like infrastructure where you use a word and then there's a semantical debate about what it means, if he's really sincere, that could be a place that uh, we could find some positive outcomes. So Donald Trump also said yesterday at his news conference, that yeah, we're going to re- we're, we're going to repeal Obamacare because we have to repeal Obamacare. It goes on and on, makes those arguments, lies about about uh, what's happening with Obamacare. But uh, what I saw was, was struck by he says, but we're going to replace it simultaneously the, yeah. at the same time <laughs> that they vote to repeal. He said the same hour, the same day, same day, same hour. Even they're going to replace it with something else. Yeah, really. I got the feeling that's that going to be another semantical it? problem. I think, oh. I think we're going to have a lot of uh, – I, I remember studying in high school. Was it uh, – remember Senator Hayakawa? Or was it, is that the right name? Yeah, yeah. from California. Remember he was, he was a semantics professor. I remember having a class around that. And I think you know, it's how you define the word. So uh, I think what they're going to try to do is they realize they can't just get rid of it and then because they absolutely have no idea for replacement. But everyone thinks that that's not acceptable. So they have to come up with something that looks like – a replacement, but it's not going to be a real replacement. It's going to be the cubic zirconia of healthcare. Uh, it's going to look like they're doing something, but I don't think you're going to actually have a real policy or program. And we have to hold them accountable on that. We have to make sure that people realize that this is not going to provide anything for the 20 million people that are currently getting say, access. But, yeah. What about those 20 million people who, who, who now have coverage who never could have it before? Yeah, we're there. doing a, um, an event this Saturday because this is our weekend of action for the Democrats uh, around the Affordable Care Act. And we're doing it in uh, Rock County um, about 90 yards outside Paul Ryan's district, because uh, that's my district, <laughs> but it is outside. <laughs> I think you drive through both districts going up into the parking lot. He but, can hear you. <laughs> 90 know. yards, you know, if you, if you play your cards right, he'll hear you. <laughs> but it's in the district. Well, actually, well, I won't say. He, he knows I've done things there before. There's a technical <laughs> college. But we want to, you know, show that there are people who are going to lose access. And there's hospitals, rural hospitals, which we have a lot of in my district and across the country that really are going to be hurt by uh, what this is going to do. And we want to make sure people are really understanding that, you know, that as much as they like all the benefits, that's what the Affordable Care Act was. It was making sure that people with pre-existing conditions got health care and keeping children on policies till they're 26 and making sure that women pay the same as men and that pre-existing, uh, that, that you had preventive care. I mean, all those things are the Affordable Care Act. And now that's the parts they say they want to keep. They just want to get rid of the revenue, which is completely illogical. Uh, Jamie, if we can, Donald Trump yesterday talked about Obamacare and he said, in effect, uh, that, uh, that he's doing you, Congressman, he's doing you a big favor. Here he is. Obamacare is the Democrats' problem. We are going to take the problem off the shelves for them. We're doing them a tremendous service <laughs> by doing it. Isn't that yeah. nice of him? He's uh, always looking out for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a giver. Yeah, he's a giver. So, oh, man. so you want to thank Donald Trump now for, uh, for uh, <laughs> helping you out. Right. I'll tell you, I think um, once he I mean, grabs control of this, he's responsible for anything that happens. So It's, it's got to be his, his problem, well, right? And, and I'll tell you, I think 
a, there's a lot of um, not so good players in this industry that are going to take advantage of this to spike rates. And he's now responsible for this because as he starts to tinker with it, and you're going to see those costs go up, uh, he's going to be responsible. And there's a bunch of issues around this that I think he's opening up a giant can of worms that are going to be beneficial to us politically. I don't want necessarily to be, I'd much rather it be beneficial to the people who need health care, but yeah, right. there is going to be a political benefit to us as they start to do this because that caucus is like, the Adams family looks like a, a average middle class <laughs> family compared to the Republican caucus, right? And I, I, you got to understand that they're going to have a hard time bringing all those diverse, sometimes crazy elements together to support something. And that's why, you know, the simultaneously uh, replacing it is not going to be as easy as they say. Right. I mean, they will own it. He will own it. But right? The Republicans will own it when Donald Trump starts to do this. And uh, I, I look forward to having those conversations with American people. <laughs> The Parting Shot with Bill Press. This is The Bill Press Show. Well, President Obama doesn't have a lot of time left, but there's one thing he ought to do before he leaves office, and that is to either pardon or commute the sentence of Chelsea Manning. Reportedly, she is on the president's shortlist, and she deserves to be freed from the 35-year sentence she's now serving. Number one, because there's no evidence of any damage to our national security because of the documents she leaked back in 2010. Number two, because she's gone through a lot of pain with gender transition surgery and two suicide attempts in prison. Number three, because she got 35 years while David Petraeus got no time for doing a lot worse. Mr. President, free Chelsea Manning. That's my parting shot for today. I'm Bill Press. This is The Bill Press Show.